You're an Ashley. You do the, the voice better, though. I'm an Ashley? You are absolutely an Ashley. Don't you agree? Yeah, you're right. I'm an Ashley. What I love about Recess is that I feel like of all the main characters, if you put them together, I feel like that would be me. And I guess everyone's like a combination of all of them. Mm-hmm. But like, I, I love sports like Vince. I love arts like, what's his name? Mikey. I feel like I'm a prankster like TJ. I get grumpy at people like Spinelli. I'm very academic like Gretchen. Oh. Not much Gus though, maybe. No. Because like so many shows and things like groupings, like the Ninja Turtles is like one of the best ones. Everyone's like one of them. Yeah. There's so many different things like where everyone has the same favorite character. Ninja Turtles is an exception. Like it's pretty much evenly split of who your favorite Ninja Turtle. (laughs) I'm a Charlotte, I think. You're a Charlotte. I'm a Charlotte too. (laughs) Oh, then we're probably then I'm probably not. I don't think we'd be the same. No, I think you'd be a Charlotte. And you're a Charlotte. Yeah. Are we that different? I think we're quite different. Who am I then? I don't know. I've never seen Sex and I've seen probably like an hour of Sex in the City total. Maybe I'm a Carrie. Is that, who? who's that, the actor? Sarah Jessica Parker. All right. I actually don't know what the characters are like. <laughs> okay. You'd be the fanciest one. That's Charlotte. Oh, okay. Maybe then I'm not a Charlotte. I think you're a Miranda. I don't know who that is. <laughs> I like the name, though, and I like the soda. If we use this in our intro, we're going to get lots of Twitter responses about what you are and what I am. Perhaps, but I think our podcast presence is quite different from I our... I think so. Because in the podcast, I feel like I kind of lead things a lot more. Mm-hmm. In real life, that's not the case. Oh, then you're a Samantha. <laughs> podcast Samantha. Wait, Samantha, like you? No. I'm confused now. Okay, never All mind. All right, welcome to <laughs> an episode of I Love This, You Should Too. My name is Indy Randawa. If I were in recess, I feel like I'm a combination of everyone. My favorite Ninja Turtle is Raphael. I think I'm a, do you say I'm a Samantha? Yeah. In what show is that? Sex in the City. Sex in the City. Then we can get into Scooby-Doo's later, but that's a whole nother thing. Whew. And with me is my lovely co-host, Samantha. She's an Ashley in recess, for sure. <laughs> what else was there? Ninja Turtles. Who are you in a Ninja Turtle? I don't know Ninja Turtles. Who's, do you have a favorite? Or you don't know? The green one? <laughs> well, they're all green. <laughs> I don't know anything about Ninja Turtles. Oh, okay. We should get into that one day. Okay. You might be a Michelangelo. Okay. He's a party dude. Oh, yeah. You're a party dude. I do have... A beer and a wine in front of me right now. <laughs> That's true. Just like Michelangelo. Yeah. Would. And in Sex in the City terms, you're a... Charlotte. I can neither confirm nor deny that. I don't know my, <laughs> my Sex in the City. But we have a podcast. It's called I Love This, You Should Too. Is this it? This is the one. Oh! How this works is, because I don't think I've given a description in a while. No, I, I don't think anyone knows. We take turns bringing movies to the other person, something that perhaps they wouldn't normally watch, something that they've never seen, but something that the other really loves. And in the last episode, I brought forward a movie called A League of Their Own. I'd been watching baseball movies for the last two months, and I thought that A League of Their Own was my favorite one. And you know what? It is. We watch it again. It really holds up for me. So, as the name of the podcast suggests, A League of Their Own. I loved this. Did you? No, this is the worst movie I've ever seen. You lied! <laughs> I do lie. It was awesome. It's I loved so it. Good. Oh, you loved it. Like, loved it, loved it? Loved it, loved it. Isn't it so great? It's such a sweet movie. I, uh, I thank you for making me watch it. It was surprising to me that you hadn't seen this in the past because it seems like... You do like to watch a lot of sports movies with female casts, and there's not many out there. And I would say this is the best one, so I was shocked that you hadn't seen it. I love it. It's so good. Did I mention I love it? Me too. Aww. Podcast over. Bye, everyone. Bye. Oh, Samantha just slid our patented I Love This You Should Too 3D printed box to... Yep. <laughs> Verdict is yep. <laughs> So after all this time, did it did it stand up for you? It did. You know what? I know in this podcast, I'm all about like the gritty stuff, the art house stuff, independent films that you haven't heard of, foreign things. But 
I always say that, no, I do love a big Hollywood sentimental feel-good movie when it's done well. And I just don't think most are done well. This one is. It was done well. I loved it when I was like eight when I saw it. I love it now. It's great. It's a very good movie. I just want to be friends with all the characters. Don't you? Yeah. So what jumped out to you uh, upon your first viewing of this movie? Um, It seemed... It seemed like a movie that you could um, make now about that time, right? Like, there's a lot of stereotypical things in it, um, like, oh, well, if we're going to start a league of girls, they have to all be pretty, and we all have to, like, be able to, you know, sell them by their looks, and um, there's a lot of, like, men or like male dominant um, things in society at that time. And um, also it was really funny to see the pushback on the teeny tiny little uniforms. Mm -hmm. And by that time, are you speaking of the forties when it took place or 92 when it was made? The forties. Right. They did a really good job of making it because it's not too stereotypical where you're like rolling your eyes and you're like annoyed with, the um kind of how far they push the stereotypes but it also seems like a very accurate representation of the time right there's so many movies that if they have a point they're driving home and a good movie should Mm -hmm. this one definitely does they don't hit it over the head no it seems like it's an accurate representation of what happened and rather than shouting at the viewer like hey women deserve better they show you that they deserve better through the actions of these characters these well-developed characters Mm -hmm. that really you grow to love very quickly you do and i love how different they all are it's not a whole bunch of gina davis's it's not a whole bunch of like gina davis with a whole bunch of like less attractive women it's not like it's not um like all or nothing it's a lot of really amazing different looking women on this team and i think definitely all of these characters are the highlight of of the movie Mm -hmm. it's a great story and all that but it would be so much less entertaining if we didn't have these great performances and these very specific unique funny characters Mm -hmm. and they're so well Maybe not even well-developed right off the bat, but you get a sense of who everyone is in the first scene you see everyone. Exactly. Like, let's start off with uh, Dottie and her kid sister, Kit. Mm -hmm. Their sibling rivalry is right off the bat. You get to see them at home in Oregon, and they're playing in a dairy baseball game, because that's a thing that happens. Dairy league. Yeah. And you can instantly figure out what their relationship is. Yeah. You know that Kit's the kid sister. You know that she's angry at Dottie. But Dottie doesn't have this kind of superiority thing. No, she wants what's best for Kit. She is such a good person. And she legitimately would do anything for Kit, which I love. I think that the beauty of their relationship is that Kit is very much rebellious and really falls into that little sister role and then towards the end of the movie realizes that the only thing that Dottie ever wanted for her was to be happy and to you know feel special and happy definitely their relationship is it's not that it's extremely unique for what you see in film but it does seem different than the usual representations of this we get. You always have like a domineering older sibling and Mm -hmm. the young one who always wants to do better. But this has just a much sweeter, more subtle take on it. Because in this case, we have the older sister who actually does want the younger to do better, Mm -hmm. is always trying to do that, but doesn't go so far out of her way. She doesn't put on a show about it. She just lives her life in that way. And I feel like that's something that could be said about so much of this movie, that they don't tell you, look at this great thing we're doing. It's just that's how people go about their business. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about that later, about how this movie does a really good job of showing women supporting women, but yes. in a just it's just a beautiful way. But it's like we'll a natural there. way. Yes. It's yeah. very natural. It isn't like like women's suffrage it's like very much like this is just the way we are and i just want to support my fellow female and it's not like hitting you over the head with it which is really nice 
but we can talk about that later. Let's talk about some of the other characters because there's so many really there good ones. There are so many. We can start right off at the beginning with like some little side ones like John Lovitz. John Lovitz plays the scout. Right? I thought he was cute. Like cute, okay. Not like an attractive, no, no. But like it was a cute character, and I'm glad it wasn't in the whole movie. <laughs> I don't believe men and women are intrinsically different in their tastes, mm-hmm. but there is one thing I've noticed: women, for the most part, do not care for John Lovitz. No, men do. He I reminds... think John Lovitz is hilarious. Really? Yeah, he's so funny to oh, me. Oh, he's he's so skeevy and yeah. like, and all of the characters he plays, and it just rubs me the wrong way. I don't yeah. like it. Yeah, that's. I agree with all of that, and that's why he's great. Whether or not he's gross, he's so funny in it, though. Mm-hmm. You must admit, you laughed a lot at he it. He was funny. Yeah. He was funny. Like I said, his character was very cute, but I feel like it could have been played by anybody. No, I that I disagree with. Because <laughs> John Lovitz is just playing John Lovitz. He right. plays the same character in everything, and... Yeah, he's not a great actor, but John Lovitz is funny, and I think that character was him... It was just him being him. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Danny DeVito was in talks to play that. And I could see that character being played by Mm -hmm. DeVito, but it wouldn't be what Lovitz brought to it. Okay, well, agree to disagree. John Lovitz is not my favorite actor. (laughs) Well, he's not an actor, really. He's a comedian that just plays himself in movies. True, okay. Um, Yeah, so it... It was definitely added to the story because you got to see where they came from. You got to see this big city guy making fun of where they came from. But you also got to see how, like, good and pure these two women are. Do you like Kit as a person? Yes. But I think that she definitely has some character flaws that she ends up kind of working out as she grows throughout the movie. She seems like I love Kit. Mm -hmm. I love the character. If I knew her, would I like her? Absolutely not. No, you're right. That that I would not. I don't think I'd want to hang out with somebody. I wouldn't want her on my team. She seems like a lot of work. She is. And for a lot of the athletes out there, you probably know someone who makes a mistake, then goes on the bench like Kit does, and she goes like, oh, and starts hitting herself in the yeah. head. And you're like, I get it. Channel that into something better. But there, yeah, she is. She is a lot of work. And she's not nice to people. Really? No, she's not. But I feel like she gets a lot better towards the end of the movie. I do think it's a very late switch. Yes. It's once she gets some success, because that's all she wants. She wants success and she wants out of her sister's shadow. Yes. And as soon as she gets that, she does change drastically. Yes. And becomes kind of a real human. Yeah. And I love the fact that in this movie, you can have someone who is kind of the hero of the movie who's also not that likable, Mm -hmm. but you get where she's coming from. Yes. While I wouldn't like to hang out with Kit and I don't think she's like a great person, I think she's a good character Mm -hmm. because I understand why she is the way she is. Absolutely. And I think that that is why I don't mind her so much is because she is someone who could be a real person in life, right? Definitely. Like, Like they... We've watched some movies where people that you don't like, they're not actual, like, you rarely would actually see someone act a way that a character that we, like, strongly dislike would, act, right. would act, right? Yeah, they're, like, cartoonish villains. Exactly. Like, last was- week in Dare Me, it was very, or two weeks ago in Dare Me, that main character is definitely cartoonish and to the max, um on one side of, like, the personality spectrum. And so much so that you wouldn't actually meet someone very often in real life like that. No, Beth was a straight-up sociopath. Yes. While Kit is an annoying little sister. Yes, and so you can imagine meeting someone like that. And I think that that gave me... I feel like it allowed me to be a little bit more lenient on her character, even though I didn't like most of the stuff that she did at the beginning of the movie. Definitely. Like, I love that she's in this movie and uh, Lori Petty did a great job. She was one of the best athletes, too. You can tell Mm -hmm. Lori Petty knows what she is doing. Absolutely. Just a little divergence while we continue to the characters. I've watched a lot of baseball movies in the last while. The baseball players in this... (laughs) 
50. Go watch the last episode or go listen to the last episode and you can hear my take on all of them. Oh, interesting. I didn't notice that at all. <laughs> but the <laughs> baseball players in this, they were so good. And Penny Marshall made a point of saying, you need to be able to play baseball first and then you can audition. Oh. And everyone in this did a great job. Of yeah. course, some people were hidden a little bit. They didn't show Madonna doing too much because she probably wasn't she's as Madonna. good yeah. at it. But they showed her sliding a lot. Gina Davis was the only one who didn't go through a full three-month baseball camp with oh, everyone. Camp. Because she was brought in at the last minute. It was uh, Deborah Winger was going to play the role. She dropped out two weeks before filming <gasps> started. So Gina Davis just jumped in and... I think did a great job because she doesn't seem out of place at all. She seems like one of the better athletes, actually. Hmm. Rosie O'Donnell looks pretty good, too, actually. She looks like she can play baseball. Yeah, absolutely. I would not have guessed that Gina Davis didn't go to baseball camp with everybody else. Yeah, she's just that good at everything. Everything. We should just do a podcast about how good Gina Davis is. The I Love Gina Davis podcast? Because I told you about like Mensa and the archery. She also has a film festival that promotes diversity in film. She has, I think, an institute, the Gina Davis Institute for Diversity in Film or something like that. Where's her film festival? Can we go? I don't know. One good thing I know about it is that if you get into the festival, she guarantees you distribution, which is a... If you don't know how it works out there, lots of people put films in festivals, you see it once, and then it's gone away. Right. Because, like movies that I make. That's what and happens to them. And then people buy them from the festivals, right? Like Possibly. You, you go to Cannes or like Possibly. Venice or wherever. Some get purchased that right. way. But smaller ones, you get seen that time, and that's your, that's your moment. Huh. This includes distribution. So in some form or another, people are going to be able to see your movie after this. Wow. And it's all about promoting. It started off with uh, gender equity in mm-hmm. movies and trying to get more women on screen, more female directors. But now it's kind of branched out to be um, also about ethnicities and all sorts of things. So Gina wow. Davis is pretty much the best. I want to be her friend. I was going to say I want to be her too, but <laughs> you said friend. <laughs> I mean, I want to be Gina Davis. Yeah, me too. But I also want someone like Gina Davis just in my life. Like in this movie, I the entire time I was just like, man, I want a best friend like that. Yeah. Like she was so amazing, very talented, but never outshone anyone else. Even when she was being sold by the league as like the Queen of Diamonds. Yes, yeah. Yeah, the Queen of Diamonds. So it's like she was so amazing. She was so amazing to her teammates. They all became such good friends. And even when the league was like, look at this tall, beautiful woman who is amazing at everything. She's like 11 feet tall or something. Yeah. She looks so, so tall and even statuesque. Even then, she was still just like, well, this is the one you want to talk to because she made that save. Like, she's just like such a good person. And I just want her in my life and the performance as dotty it almost can get overlooked she is the lead for sure but she has so much less funny business or a strong character than mm-hmm. like madonna and rosie and everyone like that but the more i watch it the more i can appreciate it when she does get those lines they are like straight lines yeah but she delivers them so well and I think the restraint she delivers this performance with mm-hmm. is what makes everyone else look that much better. Mm-hmm. Because she's not out there trying to steal the show. Both Dottie and Gina Davis as the actor, both of them are very understated and doing their jobs mm-hmm. and letting other people shine where they can. But also carrying yeah. the movie. But slowly, subtly, just being a workhorse both mm-hmm. Dottie and gina davis are kind of yeah. the same in that and they kind of shine in their own way but mm-hmm. you can tell that they're letting rosie o'donnell and madonna and like all of the people in this cast that you know like tom hanks and everybody they're letting them shine and like i think that that was such an amazing choice and such an amazing like you have to be a very talented actor to be able to pull that off yeah to be kind of a almost stoic character mm-hmm. but not be boring yeah is it's not easy and she does it very well who's another character that you loved in this movie well i love the madonna rosie o'donnell combination of that's the thing both of them are good on their own mm-hmm. but together they're just amazing and hilarious so i like them as a parallel to dotty and kit because dotty and kit are like wholesome farm girls 
Dottie is very beautiful. She's talented. She's so nice. And Kit is like, she's talented at what she's talented at. She's not as beautiful as her sister. And she has a big complex. Whereas Rosie O'Donnell and Madonna, I cannot remember their names. Doris and May. Doris and May. All, All the, the way, way May. May. That's right. <laughs> so um, Doris and May are very much like uh, May is out there and she's wild and crazy and she knows she's good looking and she knows that she's talented and she knows that she's like one of the best people on the like one of the best things on the team for publicity and that kind of thing and um and then Doris is like funny and she knows she's funny and she knows that she's talented at baseball and she knows that she is like really good with May and so they're almost like opposite to Dottie and um Kit and it's really it's fun to see them kind of interact and be like a like opposite to some yeah there is such a perfect almost foil for the other pair Mm -hmm. while Dottie and Kit share so much history and really when you get down to it are very similar people in a lot of ways but can't recognize that in each other Mm -hmm. or definitely kit can't on the other hand may and doris are so opposed to how they present themselves how they're seen by others most of all Mm -hmm. but they don't envy or are have any sort of jealousy about this rather they support and celebrate the other person like when doris is giving her interview about her skills she goes oh you know the best player in the team the best player is may and she brings may over there and i love that they met because May was like a stripper at Doris's dad's bar or club or whatever yeah, it is. And, and Doris was the bouncer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Normally you would see this done and one of them is going to be shamed about this. Yeah. Like either Doris, oh, you're too butch, you're the bouncer. Or, oh, May, you're just dancing and showing everyone everything. So one of them is going to be shamed, but neither is in this movie. Both are that... celebrated for what they do. And that's fucking beautiful that was the beauty of this movie was there was no shame everyone was so different and nobody was shamed for being different they were celebrated there was a moment where john lovitz was kind of like oh we can't we can't take her john lovitz can because you don't identify with john Lovitz. he's not he's kind of a villain character he's funny comes up as like the common people right like the common ideal of what women should look like during wartime and women who are going to play baseball need to be beautiful so that people come and watch and he is kind of like our crowdsource character of what like i'm sure the ideals in the states were during that time and i think all the men are to an extent but the reason john lovett seems so much worse is that he doesn't follow the story through because even jimmy dugan played by tom hanks mm-hmm. starts off saying that girls can't play baseball yeah. but all of the other characters get one over once they see what's going on exactly john lovett isn't there for the rest so you no. can see him being one over but the character who is i forget his name now lowenstein ira Something like that. But he's the one that is following the team along and starts off with, if you don't want to wear this, there's 30 girls who will play in a swimsuit if I right, tell them to. the manager of the league. Yeah, he's yeah. kind of um, the second in command. Right. And by the end, he's the one that's advocating. That's fighting like, for This it. is a product. You don't know what these women are sacrificing mm-hmm. to play for. And so he's the one that's followed it and changes along with it, as is the case with Jimmy Dugan. So all of the male characters are kind of those outsiders who start off with like some sort of preconceived notion, whether that this is just a stunt, whether they're not real players, or that it's just second rate. They Mm -hmm. have some sort of preconceived notion, and they are changed, not just automatically, but it takes the course of a whole season or at least these two hours that we see the movie for them to come to those realizations and it's that's a good nice little touch i felt like one thing that that speech from ira i think his name is ira um one thing that that reminded me of was something in the devil wears prada where andy gets the job that a million girls would die for and that's a very common thing in sports um when 
like looks are a thing. So like in cheerleading and being like a sideline cheerleader for football, that's something that you hear a lot is that like, well, if you're not willing to put in the work and change yourself and force yourself into this mold, there's 50 other girls out there who we can bring in and who are willing to do absolutely whatever they want to like they, whatever we want them to do to be that ideal. And I think that that is slowly changing in sports. But I think that that is something that is so still so common. Yeah, because in so many of these leagues, it's there are so many people who want this job. Mm. And ownership or management doesn't feel like they owe players anything. Nope. Players are treated like nope. commodities. You do what we want, you show up in what we want you to wear, and you do your job or else we're going to replace you with the 70,000 other people who want to be a pro whatever. And David Strathairn does play Ira Lowenstein. Ira Lowenstein. We did have the name right. That's right. I'm glad it is because that name, if I had guessed it wrong, it would sound very racist. Like, oh, extremely. You say Lowenstein (laughs) for any Jewish character, but it actually was. Yeah. Those two names together, you're like, well, I'm assuming he's a Jewish person. So. Yeah, so I'm glad I got that one right. <laughs> what about Tom Hanks as Jimmy Dugan? Um, I loved his character arc, like overall, like stepping back and looking at how he kind of grows throughout the movie is really awesome. But also he's a little unbelievable because they're on the bus and he's drunk and he's drinking and he's drinking. And then all of a sudden... um. Dottie offers him a Coke, and now he doesn't drink anymore? I feel like that was just a symbolic first step. Oh, okay. I think that kind of goes along with he's, at that point, started to take over and actually be a manager, and just take some pride not only in this team, but in himself, something that he had lost, because he... I kind of take it as that he's pretty much the character of Jimmy Fox, who was a great baseball player and did, in fact, lose the last third of his career to alcoholism. Mm. So I don't think that that Coke necessarily means that he's going to stop drinking. But I think that was just a... Symbolism? Yeah. Or a first step, at least. I think what his character arc actually was is his involvement with the team. How it went from being just an over-the-top, Grosso. Grosso mm-hmm. is a word, right? Yeah. Just spitting everywhere, peeing and yeah. being the worst to just taking an interest in the game, realizing that this is actual baseball mm-hmm. and that his career isn't over. It's changed. He was so full of self-pity that he just didn't care about yeah. anything else. And yeah, he's probably has one of the more over-the-top portrayals for sure absolutely he's he's ridiculous at the beginning he's ridiculous but it's fun so i loved him once he became a coach it reminded me a lot because it's he's he's frustrated by his team he really cares he wants to like help them in the way that they know so he sees that they go to church so they do a prayer or like you know and he's clearly not like a practicing Catholic at that point because he says we're going to have all the balls or something. Like, <laughs> it's just really funny. Something you'd never probably say in a prayer. But um, I I identified with him a lot as a coach because I'm like, we all have this. Because you also show up drunk to practice all the time. No. Please don't ever say that again. <laughs> no, but like we all have those moments where we're so frustrated with our athletes and we're so, we care so much and there's just like that heart behind it when he actually smartens up and realizes that this is actually something that he can do that is productive. I think the perfect example of that was you have the, of course, the iconic scene, the there's no crying in baseball yeah. scene where he yells at her. And that scene is so funny. For, of course, that line is great. But I love when the umpire comes over and he's like, she's crying, sir. <laughs> like, he's like telling the umpire, like, help me out here. And he eventually gets thrown out for telling the ump that he looks like a penis with a little hat on. Right. And all of the players cheer that he's thrown out. And it's because, I forget the character's name, but it's Stillwell's mom. She can't hit the cutoff man. She always throws wide. And in the finals, she does it again. And there's that scene with Jimmy, Tom Hanks, and he just stares at her and he's shaking. Yeah. And he's trying to get out the words. And eventually all he says is like, 
work in on the it off season. Year. I need to work yeah. on that. And she's like, oh, okay. That's the progress that of is... Jimmy more so than the him having the coke. I think they needed to put that in there to kind of like say like, hey, he's not an alcoholic anymore. Yeah. So it's fine, right? But his interactions with the team is, is really his journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is such a coach moment too just like <laughs> generically that like i can't yell at this person anymore because it's not working so clearly i need to like just swallow it back and say something constructive even though that is the last thing i want to do oh that's a that's a coach moment that's a teacher moment that's yeah. a parent moment it's an like, athlete moment. everyone's <laughs> yeah. had that where you just take a look at them I've directed plays and movies where I did exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah, no, that is a, such a human moment. And that's, I love Tom Hanks's character because he is so human in so many ways throughout this movie. And he really has like human growth story. And I, I love all of those moments where he like really shines as an actor. And this came at a really interesting point for Tom Hanks because now we know him as like, America's dad. He's just the actor. He's a wholesome guy. Yeah. And he's just, he's successful. Whatever he does is going to be good. Mm-hmm. He had come off like a couple of bombs at this point. He, oh, this really? was like not too far after like Joe versus the volcano, which I actually kind of probably liked. But I don't know that movie. It's weird. He thinks he has a brain cloud, so he goes to sacrifice himself to a volcano. Meg Ryan's in it. He lives on a raft made of suitcases. Oh. But, anyways, he wasn't. N- just an automatic box office success at this point. And this movie was like a real turning point for him. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. I uh, I don't know a lot about early Tom Hanks. Um, I guess nowadays that is early Tom Hanks. I think that is middle Tom Hanks. Because I guess, because he was very young when he started acting, right? I think of like family ties and bosom buddies as early, early Tom was Hanks. Was he like a teenager in those? No, <laughs> he's just been, so. So he's just aged. Really here's a well. little side note: there was a show where Tom Hanks and his friend pretend to be women to live in an apartment building, but then they also come in and be their male versions, who they say are like cousins of their female versions, right. so they can hit on the girls. That was a TV show that existed. That is. Uh, it's called Bosom Buddies because for they have another bosoms. time. <laughs> That yeah, that sounds like it's from another time. Yeah. Um, I uh, I'm interested to see an episode of that. But, was he uh, in a Dungeons and Dragons movie? That can't be real, right? I have no idea. There's no way Tom Hanks could ever have been in an, a really bad Dungeons and Dragons movie, right? I seem to remember that was a thing. Someone out there is gonna be like, "Yeah, I saw it. It was the worst." I don't know. Mazes and Monsters, 1982. Wow, I didn't realize Dungeons and Dragons has like been multi generational. Oh, yeah, it was. I think it peaked in the 80s, didn't it? I don't know. I guess that's why it's in Stranger Things. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I but... remember I worked at like a collectibles shop and people would come in and go like, oh, do you have any uh, Dungeons and Dragons stuff? And I'd be like, oh, sorry, we don't. But you might want to check 1986. <laughs> Is that and what I'd you go, said? No, I cannot I imagine that you doing I that. I did, in fact, say like you might want to check 1986. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think... Like, I don't know why I thought that it was, like, new. Dungeons and Dragons? Like, we have friends who play it. Do we? We do. Who? Like. Well, we don't need to get into that. I don't know anyone <laughs> who plays it. Uh, yeah, you do. I didn't know that about them, and I'm going to reevaluate my friendship. <laughs> <laughs> I kid, I kid. It's fun. Imagination. Dungeons. Whatever. Seven-hour quests. But yeah, no, I uh, I totally thought it was newer than it actually is. Oh, I always associated it with being an 80s thing. Oh, see, I, I didn't, even though I've seen Stranger Things and I know that it's it's in that. So, Well, let's go back to the early 90s, at least, or the 40s. What about the relationship between Dottie and Jimmy? I I really liked their relationship because in this kind of movie, or like in movies that are kind of comedies there's always like a love interest yes and i think that they did such a good job of respecting boundaries because dotty is married right from the beginning of the movie and so you know that and dotty and jimmy have this like relationship that is so pure and like friendly and like there is no ounce of like jimmy wanting dotty 
Absolutely. If there had been a romantic story in this movie, it would have ruined so much. Exactly. Because the relationships that this movie is based on and where it shines are the relationships between the other women, specifically the sisters, but still amongst mm-hmm. the team. And there's, there's kind of a mentor-mentee thing with yeah. Jimmy a little bit, but it's less that and more just like a mutual respect. Exactly. I was going to say there's such a strong story of respect here because Dottie coaches the team until Jimmy sobers up yeah. and figures out what's going on. And she does such a good job. And there's that scene where they're doing all the the nose signals and like the... <laughs> the signals, yeah. I don't know what to... <laughs> it's just signals. They're telling Marla whether or not to swing away or bunt. Right. Okay, so you you see them doing all these signals and they're doing clearly like not I know nothing about baseball. So clearly not knowing these signals, you can clearly see that they're doing different things mm-hmm. and Marla's getting confused and like isn't quite sure who to listen to. And this is like the start where Jimmy really starts to care because Absolutely. he is all of a sudden very invested in what Marla's going to do at the plate to win the game or not win the game and it's very awesome to see that he actually respects what Dottie is saying and then at the like later in the movie he starts to kind of call on her as almost like an assistant coach which is really nice because he acknowledges that she has knowledge yeah at the beginning it's Dottie's pressure that turns Jimmy and it's Jimmy's respect that brings Dottie back in for that final game. Do you want to hear something terrible? Yes. So they did shoot a scene where Dottie and Jimmy kiss. What? Yeah. That would ruin the movie. And they tested it and everyone's like, that ruins the movie. And mm-hmm. they cut it. And they were right to cut it. Good. I would have been, if this was I the exact same movie so angry. with that scene, I'd be like, this is such a great movie. Except for. The love story. Yeah. Dottie wouldn't do that. That's part of this time, right? Like everyone's husband was not in the picture. They were away fighting a war. So they're women who are free-ish, right? Like they're allowed to kind of do what they want because they don't have, you know, the pressures of having children and, you know, raising their family and being in the home, which is kind of what happened during, like before the war was that was very much the American ideal. Um, It was really neat to see these women kind of flourish on their own but there was always this looming presence of the husbands, which was really nice to see that they respected that. Yeah, the relationship Dottie has with her husband, it never felt to me like she was someone who was oppressed. In no. A way. Like, of course, there's the societal stuff. But mm-hmm. this movie, I think I saw when I was like eight, but <laughs> I had... um. I had ideas of what feminism was as an eight-year-old. Mm-hmm. And I thought at the time is just that, like, yeah, women don't have to cook and clean. They should be out working. Yeah. This movie brought me to the next level. That I could realize that there is a woman who chooses to stay home and take care of yeah. the home. And if that's her choice, that's just as legitimate. And as a little kid, this was a real, real... Gina Davis did a lot for me as a little <laughs> yeah, kid. apparently. She, uh, yeah, it's hard to overstate between, like, watching Thelma and Louise, which I shouldn't do as a little kid. <laughs> but either way, I learned so much from that. She was in Beetlejuice, which I loved, and this. It did a lot for me. And I guess we were talking about her relationship with Jimmy. It would diminish her character, if that happened, because that's not who she is. Exactly. It seems so out of character. It also seems out of character for Jimmy, who's built this this respect for this woman, for this baseball player. Exactly. It seems like he doesn't even regard them as male or female. No. He regards athletes. them as ball players. Yeah. And that's kind of been his journey. So that scene of them kissing would have just ruined so many different things. Oh, absolutely. And I'm so glad that they didn't include that now that I know about it, because I think that absolutely would have changed my view on this movie. It's not ne- it's not necessary. She gets her husband back and they do a really good job during the movie of kind of driving home the fact that this is a war when um I can't remember whose husband it is, but the one who can't read? No, wait. No, that's not No, it's Betty Spaghetti's husband dies. Betty. Yeah. Okay, so when Betty gets the letter, you really feel how like 
a flip of the coin or like i don't know edge of the knife is that a, is that a saying sure just there's this presence looming Constantly. over everyone and they do such a good job of kind of keeping it at bay until there's a moment where that telegram could have been for anybody in that room and it was just so tense and everyone was so emotional because it brought it all to the surface of this thing because they're like my husband is at war he could die any minute and they are trying to do this great thing playing baseball and having a life and doing all this wonderful stuff and having friends and so you push all that stuff back and it was such a great representation of just how tumultuous the women's life in the 1940s was during the war because it was so so back and forth at any given moment yeah, I like how much it was brought up in mm-hmm. it because it's not a movie just about women fearing for their husbands' lives. It's the story of their baseball team. But we do get these little pop-ups of this is always looming over them. This yeah. the world is is changed. Everything mm-hmm. is different because of this and it can pop up at any time without any sort of reasoning to the story and that's just what happens. And I really like the scene where Dottie is sitting in her room crying because I feel like it brought it all to the surface and it made it all really real again and then her husband walks in and it's it's a very nice moment but you really see that these women are like three seconds away from, from like the worst moment of their lives at all times mm. and you really appreciate just how much stress they were under not just playing in the world series or wherever they were playing they were also under so much stress because their lives could change in an instant so indy what are your favorite moments from this movie because i know that you brought this forward you love it so tell me tell me some of the things that you loved i feel like we talked about so many of them because (laughs) they're they're character based but there's all these other fun little bits remember that newsreel about she's not just a great second baseman she pours a mean cup of coffee oh yeah that's right all of the like newsreel items yeah and then they have marla off in the distance (laughs) how about that marla and she's just way out there (laughs) yeah that that was funny (laughs) like it's it follows a normal five-act structure but if you were to divide it into thirds the first third is just so funny Mm-hmm. It's just joke, 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 and they're coming at you so fast with them meeting everybody, the charm school, the tryouts. It's so good. The second third kind of gets into them becoming a team, and then the final third deals with kind of the the relationship between Kit and Dottie and the, mm-hmm. the more more serious stuff. But that first third of the movie, it's so much funnier than I remembered. Yeah, there's so many jokes in it that are hilarious. It was. Such a heartwarming movie, but it was also so funny. And I I felt so good after watching it. Yeah. It's, like, truly a feel-good movie. And I think that that's one of those movies that kind of stick with you. And it's so rewatchable. I've seen this movie so many times. (laughs) It's probably in my top ten for movies I've seen the most often. Because a lot of my favorite movies... You can't watch that often. Like, you shouldn't be watching Taxi Driver more than once every five years because no. you'll go crazy. I'm going to question your mental health if you start doing that. <laughs> but A League of Their Own, like I was saying last time, I watched it twice on a flight to Tokyo before. And yeah. it, it holds up. It's so nice. And it's like, I love the backstory. I know you said that there's some backstory that could have been cut just to shorten the movie. Yeah, the framing story. You know what? I changed my mind. I really like the framing story because it's such a nice ending that it does have to be in the beginning because you don't know what's going on if you don't see the beginning part. I think the only thing they could have done, maybe you could shorten it at the beginning, perhaps. Yeah. That's about it, though. I I did think that the framing story dragged. This time I watched it, though, and I was like, you know what? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Like, at the beginning... It seems like there's not much you gain from that. But mm. when you have the context of what you see later, because Dottie's telling her grandkids, she's telling the older one to let the younger one have a chance. And right. then she tells the younger one, kill him. Yeah. And once you know the relationship that she had with her little sister, it makes so much more sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's kind of her life lesson that she learned was let your younger sibling have a chance and that's kind of what she lived by so it's so nice to see that reflected in that 
beginning story and then also seeing i cried when they were all at the museum at the end at the hall of fame yeah oh yeah oh that was God, yeah. that was like oh and then hearing them sing and i was just like yeah okay i'm done yeah, or when uh, <laughs> when stillwell said his mom died yes that's when i started yeah that was or when jimmy's sign is up there and then he had passed away just a yeah. year earlier yeah the ending yeah the ending makes you cry i feel like we are definitely not in the minority for crying at the end of that. <laughs> I'm so glad because, oh, my God. <laughs> but it wasn't like a bad cry. It wasn't like heartbreak cry. It was like, that was such a wonderful movie and I love it so much. And like, I just want everyone to be happy and safe. <laughs> like, And that all of these people are kind of getting some recognition yes. that they hadn't had at this point. Apparently still to this day at Cooperstown, that's one of the most requested. Like, oh, where is the section on this? Oh, that's about so the women in great. baseball. Because this is based on a true story. Yeah, so this league did exist for twelve years. So twelve it, years. Yeah, it lasted uh, twice as long as the Confederacy. So people still have Confederate flags. I want a Rockford Peaches flag. I'll work on it. Actually, I totally do want a Rockford Peaches hat. And I said that I do want to dress as them for Halloween. And then I called Dottie and you got angry at me. I want to be Dottie. <laughs> I want to be Dottie. I want to be Dottie. Okay, fine. I'll be Ellen Sue. Sue Ellen? Ellen Sue. I like Ellen Sue. You don't want to be all the way May? Oh, actually, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't like Madonna. She's a bad actor, but she's so good in this. She's so likable she's like she's so comfortable in that role she's so fun and lively and each one of these characters especially when you look at the kind of main four players mm -hmm. they each bring something so different to it and it just it rounds out a really full team it does and i feel like madonna is just being madonna in this movie perhaps no because i don't think she's a likable person in real life oh, and okay. she was quite likable in this <laughs> Another little fun thing is that they would always have all these unpaid extras to be in the stands. Yeah. And if you've ever worked on a movie or been in one in any way, it takes hours and hours of just like sitting around. So there's all these people in the stands. So people would come out and kind of entertain them. Uh, Tom Hanks would do puppet shows. Rosie O'Donnell did stand up. Madonna refused to talk to anyone. Of course she did. <laughs> They're like, will you sing a song? And she's like, nope, fuck you. So then Rosie started singing Madonna songs, like as a joke. <laughs> and Madonna said, never do that again. <gasps> and then you know what Rosie did? Sing another one. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> That's and my favorite. Madonna went out of her way to like talk about, I can't remember what town in Indiana it was filmed in, but to say like, oh, this town's the worst. They're terrible people. And yeah, it's just Madonna being Madonna. Huh. But either way, let's not talk about that because this movie was so fun and joyous. What about the casting of all the older versions of them? Uh, Wasn't it amazing? So good. How? There was only a couple of them that I didn't recognize. You can tell exactly who it is. But it's like 90% of them you can tell exactly who it is. It was remarkable. When I was a kid, I assumed it was old age makeup. That's exactly what I was thinking while we were watching. I'm like, is this just Gina Davis and like her sister um like old aged no there are different actors Lori petty who's kit and gina davis did dub the voices oh okay so that adds to it a bit but it was the mannerisms yeah it was the mannerisms and the way that they like said words and like moved while they were like acting it was so incredible i totally thought that at least the like the lead two were just old aged. And even Doris, Rosie O'Donnell, and uh, May, Madonna. Yeah. Rosie O'Donnell, I said. <laughs> Rosie O'Donnell? Rosie O'Donnell. Um, the two of them, too, a bit further away, but mm -hmm. still, you could instantly tell who it was. It's the mannerisms. Like, he those were some incredible older actors. And Sue Ellen, that one, I'd have to look into it, but it really seems like it's just mm -hmm. the same person in old age makeup. Absolutely. And it didn't even seem like great old age makeup. It seems no. like, no, that's just her, right? Yeah, just with some gray hair and like yeah. <laughs> a and sweatshirt. A lot of the other people, the non-speaking people who were playing baseball at, in the end of the framing story and over the credits are the actual players. Really? Because in 88, when they opened this Hall of Fame thing, that was a real thing that happened in 1988. Yes. So they those were real players from the league. That's just like video of them playing? Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. 
the the song that they sing that was a real song that was written by that person or the person that they're based on for the most part it's a true story wow yeah uh they did a tv show based on it the year after it did not do well i think they made six episodes two aired Hmm. but what i learned just yesterday is they're making a tv show right now based on this a league of their own it's gonna be an amazon original it has one of the women from broad city and i think the woman who plays janet in the good place oh my god Yes. And I don't Is Janet playing Gina Davis? I don't think it's the actual same characters, but I think it's just of based. Yeah, it's still going to be called A League of Their Own. It's still The Rockford Peaches, which cuz those are uh, that was the real team name. Yeah. But it might be different characters, but it's it, we'll see. We'll see when it comes out. Huh. I'm excited for that all of a sudden cuz I love Janet. <laughs> I yeah, I love her, but I'm I'm not excited when something that I love gets remade yeah that's fair i'm hesitant i'll watch it i'll definitely watch it in that ridiculously long episode i did about the 50 baseball movies i watched although i did trim it down by 50 percent because it was two hours and i got it down to one oh good okay yeah i talked about how almost all baseball movies fall in one of like five or six categories Mm -hmm. and i think the brilliance of a league of their own is that it takes from all of them and makes like one super movie. Right. There are so many of the baseball movies that have some sort of childhood wish fulfillment that a kid amazingly gets to the major leagues or something. And we have a bit of that because Kit is almost that person. Yes. She wants a life outside of the farm. She wants to play baseball. And then when you see her finally walk through those doors and see the big stadium in front of her, Mm -hmm. you get that part too. You get this childlike character who's living out her dreams. Yes. Kind of like you do in Rookie of the Year and Little Big League, things like that. You also have the idea of the natural or the phenom. There's so many movies where there is one player like in the scout or in the natural or the phenom. Actually, they were just called that. (laughs) Where there is one player that has kind of amazing abilities and is so much better than everyone and you follow their story. And then we get that with Gina Davis because she doesn't have the drive in a lot of ways like the other characters do. She doesn't Mm. want it like Kit does. Right. It's not to say that she's disinterested, but... It means less to her. Yeah. But she has these natural abilities that make her the best and she knows it. And so we get that story through her as well. And then so many of them and sports movies in general are always a, they often try to be a reflection of America at the time. Mm -hmm. And that's really apparent in this one. Yeah. Just like all the movies about Jackie Robinson, talk about the civil rights movement. This one shows this very new aspect of american culture because Mm -hmm. women in the workforce just wasn't a thing yeah and to have that ushered in in such a fun way to show the the excitement of that Mm -hmm. but also what's holding them back in this movie it just it comes through really well so it does that as well i love that because you really see um dotty struggling with that because she says, oh, no, I'm not going to come back and play. I'm just going to go home with my husband because he's home from the war now. And then she ends up coming back and playing in the playoffs or in the World Series. Um, but she's struggling very much with the, do I just settle down and have kids now? Yeah, I'll get back to what I was saying in a bit. But one thing that did kind of bother me is, so she chose a family. And that's a legitimate yeah. choice. That's what she wanted. But then at the end she's at the hall of fame alone and kit comes up with her whole family supporting her yeah and it made me kind of sad for Dottie that she was the one that chose family and it seems like she's the one that's alone yeah well you see her daughter at the beginning yeah but her daughter's kind of a dick to her very much so like we just need you out of the room and like the two kids downstairs don't really like don't really seem to care about their grandma like Yeah. yeah she's going to the hall of fame That's fucking huge. If you were in the Hall of Fame, I'd bring my whole family. Thank you. Me too. But so (laughs) we have like 80 people between us. That was the one thing where like I was, I loved the aspect of the movie is showing that Dottie chooses family and that's just as Mm -hmm. legitimate of a choice as Kit saying, I'm going to choose to play baseball because that's what's there for me. And I'm going to get a job here and I'm going to live here. But then at the end, 
I would have loved to have seen Kit being the one of like, yeah, maybe she doesn't have the family, but she like traveled the world. She played baseball. She Mm -hmm. lived her dream. And then Dottie would be the one that has her family with her because those are the things that were important to them. But but Dottie's alone. And I wonder like if that's just an unintentional thing for for how the plot works or if that's saying like. Well, yeah, she chose family over this, and that was the wrong choice. Oh, that doesn't and make that me makes feel me, good. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, that right? makes me feel bad about this movie, man. Yeah, I just wish Dottie had people there with her like everyone else did, or like Kit did. All right, well, the other things that I think so many baseball movies have is there's so many of them that are nostalgic baseball has a lot of more nostalgia to Mm. its movies and this one definitely has that because it's in the 40s we get to see all the period stuff all the costuming costuming was so good oh so good and not over the top yeah it seems if you look at if you look at pictures of the team i think it's just absolutely accurate oh yeah and then the last maybe my favorite type of baseball movie is the ragtag bunch that bands together and then they're mm-hmm. successful and this is definitely one of those too because you have people coming from all walks of life none of them are just like baseball players but they all manage to to find the best in each other to contribute what they can to the team and then they make this really successful team and on top of that you also have the level of just that they're women and they don't have a lot of other options exactly. because of the, how how the world is working yeah but yeah, this movie takes from like those six really good baseball movie devices and combines them all into one, I dare say, the best baseball movie of all time. I haven't seen 50 baseball movies, but I agree in your ratings. Sugar might be like a better movie in some ways, but this this is more baseball uh-huh. than the other ones that were better perhaps films in a lot of ways. It's, yeah, no, you know what? It's the base, best baseball movie. I agree. <laughs> well, I think we're getting to the end of it. Let's talk about the ending. Not the ending in the framing story, but it's Game 7, World Series. This we get to see in so many baseball movies. And it's almost always done in the exact same way. It's pitcher versus hitter. The hitter hits one foul ball really far one mm-hmm. way. Then they hit it the other way. And then finally they're going to hit the home run or they're going to strike out, depending on who we're following through right. the movie. Whoever the hero is. This one, very different. Mm-hmm. So you have a catcher and a pitcher. But also, who are we cheering for? Nobody. I mean, the Both? peaches, because we've been following them the whole movie, but also we love Kit at this point in the movie. Do we? I did. I don't know that I did. I mean, I love Dottie a little bit more, but I still wanted Kit, like, to be successful and to feel validated. Yes, that's what I wanted. But also, I feel like a lot of my cheering for Kit was because that's what Dottie wants, too. Dottie wants Kit to be successful. Yes. There's one big debate when Kit runs over Dottie, Dottie drops the ball. Kit wins the game for the Racine Bells. Did Dottie drop the ball on purpose? I think so. You think so? Why? Or, so I think it could be either way, honestly. Well, of course, but... <laughs> I think that she dropped the ball so that her sister could have that moment. Because mm-hmm. I feel like their feud would have just kept going on had Dottie won the World Series. I also think that she hits the ground in such a way that, yeah, a ball probably would fly out of your hand because you can really see it, like, just leave her fingers in such a way that she's she's clearly just lost control of holding onto the ball. So I don't know. I would really like it to be that she's just letting, letting it go and, you know. You'd prefer if Dottie did it on purpose? Yeah. But then Dottie's letting down her team. But I think she loves her sister more than she loves her team. That's very true. But then also that would make Dottie seem like an asshole because Dottie comes back for game seven. Mm -hmm. She hasn't played the previous six games. She comes in, gets a spot right away, and then throws the game. That's That's not a story for a person like Dottie. I mean, I also like the story of them just playing a good game of baseball and that's how it washed out, right? Like... For many years, I always thought that Dottie dropped the ball on purpose to give her sister this victory because she cares more about her sister than than even herself. Mm -hmm. I don't think I think that anymore. Okay. Because right before that, she does go to Ellen Sue and say, like, you got to throw her the high heat. She can't lay off him. She can't hit him. 
So she's giving Ellen Sue tips on how to get her out. Mm -hmm. So I feel like she is doing her best. And I think what sums it up best is at the end, when Kit's almost apologizing, Dottie says, you wanted it more than me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what it is. Yeah. I think Dottie is, of course, a better player. Yeah. She's the best player. Yeah. But Kit does want it more. Yeah. Dottie doesn't really want this life. No. She's great at it, but it's not, she doesn't have the passion that Kit has. Absolutely. And when you see Kit running down the third base line, she wants it so much. Yeah. You never really get that from Dottie. No. Although it's a character I love, that's not her love. Her love isn't baseball. Right. So I think, I think Kit just wanted it more. Yeah. I think Dottie just wanted to do something with her sister. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she, right at the beginning, only joins the league because Kit wants to go. Mm -hmm. She's very self-sacrificing in a lot of ways. And at the end, what I really loved was Dottie was so proud. Mm -hmm. She was so proud of Kit. And that was was really amazing. And finally, because Kit had this success, the success over Dottie specifically, that she's able to... To love her as a sister mm-hmm. and not be just thinking about all the negative things of how I'm not as beautiful, I'm not as good at baseball, nobody likes me as much. Mm-hmm. She kind of gets over that because she has this one victory because she hadn't had that her whole life. Exactly. Yeah. No, it was, that's, ugh, it's such a well-rounded story. Because I guess in the end, Kit's the hero, like, of that game. Yes. But it was never her story. No. Whose story is it? Who's... Who's the hero? Because in all of these movies, I've been watching so many, they all follow a very similar trajectory. And you follow one person and then either they win or they lose, but they're the hero. In this one, we're mostly with Dottie. When Kit interacts with Dottie, it's usually from Dottie's point of view. Mm -hmm. We see Kit enter the scene when she yells at Dottie and then she leaves and we stay with Dottie. We don't follow Kit. And it could have been a very easy choice to follow Kit to see Kit being told that she's being traded so Mm -hmm. we can sympathize or empathize with her more but we never really get that so whose story is this who's the hero the all-american professional girls baseball league (laughs) I don't know I feel like it's it's such a like group hero thing is that a thing yeah and I think that's exactly how I feel too if I if I may soliloquize do you soliloquize <laughs> soliloquy what is the present a soliloquy yeah or give, give my thesis on give this movie your, perhaps give me your thesis i think more than it's a story of dotty or even dotty and kid it's a story about sisterhood of course the one that we see the most is between dotty and kit because they're the they're the literal sisters of it but This movie is about the sisterhood of these players coming together to do something that had never been done before. Mm -hmm. And the sisterhood that you can find from athletics. And we get that in some movies as well. Like um, Bang the Drum Slowly has this kind of fraternal love between Mm -hmm. all these men. But this one is able to kind of present that in so much of a more all-encompassing way because this is the first time that women had been able to do this. Because all of these women are being pioneers and breaking ground together. Mm-hmm. And like what we were talking about before, this um, acceptance that they all have of each other. It seems like an extension of this sisterhood and the ideals of, of, athle- of athletics and sport. Because we get all these sports movies, and I always tell people that even if you don't like sports, there are good sports movies because at their best... They're a microcosm of the human condition, of a Mm. specific thing that they're talking about. Or a specific time, like this one. Yeah. And I think this one is, like, without being too grandiose about it, it's it's about women. Yeah. And it's about women supporting each other. And I love how in this movie they don't have to draw attention to it. It's not like... In the Avengers movie where all the women pose together and like, hey, we're women. And the the music rises and everything like that. In this movie, it's just what they do. This is how they live their lives. Like early on in the movie, it's set up when John Lovitz's character doesn't want to take Marla because of how she looks. Mm -hmm. And the first thing both Dottie and Kit do is they just sit down Mm -hmm. and they say, we're not going anywhere without her. And it starts there, but it keeps going on. 
you get this accepting group that has no judgment over each other um the one scene which i really loved which was just heartbreaking where it's ann cusack's character who can't find her name uh shirley baker because she can't read yes there's no snarky comments Mm -mm. from anyone you just have the one character who i forget her name but she wasn't mad about you she plays Helena's sister. Right. She comes and just helps her. And then we get she to says, see... She says, tell me your name. Yeah. Let's let's look. And then we get like a little joke on it later. Not a joke at her expense, but a joke about her learning. When we have Madonna's character teaching her to read and it's like a smutty novel. It's like novel. a Harlequin, yeah. Yeah. And she's like, oh, it's going to get really good right now. Oh, it gets really this. good up here. <laughs> yeah. You have Madonna's character who... In so many other movies, everyone else would be either jealous or angry about her or judgmental about Mm -hmm. that she was like a dancer in some club. Yeah. That's not the case here. They just celebrate that aspect of her. They just really seem to love her. Yeah. Yeah. So sports movies at their best are a microcosm of something bigger. And there is very few movies that have a female cast like this that is so supportive. It shows... The tribulations, of course, between these sisters, Mm -hmm. but it's about something even bigger than just that one pair of sisters. It's about the sisterhood of athletes who are doing this all for the first time, and they're doing this all together. Mm -hmm. And that's why this is a great movie. I agree. I feel like that's such a good note to, like, end on, because we're just like... Everyone feels good. <laughs> it's a good movie. If you somehow haven't seen A League of Their Own, go watch it. You're you're not going to regret it. It's two hours. It flies by. I thought it would drag more than it did. I didn't feel it that at all. It flew by. Like, it felt like a 90-minute movie. Mm-hmm. So, I love it. You love it? I love it. You love it. Wow. What a movie. A we League of Their love Own. it. We love it. Are we going to high five? Is that something we do now? Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty good. That was also uh, 10, I believe. <laughs> High 10. <laughs> well, it was so good, I needed both hands. That's true. This is a double high-five movie. Well, I'm I'm so happy that I was able to bring you something that you love this much. I feel like I know a bunch of movies that you would love, but I also want to make sure that's something that I really like, too. Because it's, <laughs> I love this, you should, too. Very true. Well, next week, we will have a very special episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, next week, get your ball gown out. Get your tuxedo ready because it is award show anniversary special. Yeah, it's been more than a year, but we're doing our one year one right now. Exactly. You got your tuxedo ready? No, I've got I my... I got my ball gown. No, it's my ball gown. No, I got... Let me borrow it. Okay, fine. I'll wear your tuxedo. All right. <laughs> Um, and we will be back with some awards for the movies that we have watched um, and some of the actors we have talked about. If you have any things to bring forward, you can still get them in under the deadline and you can email us at I love this, you should, and the number two at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ILTYS and the number two. And you can find us on Facebook at I Love This You Should Two Dash Podcast. Let us know what your favorite things from this last year have been. And we will come back next Monday when we talk about what our favorites and what our most favorites were. Ooh, I love the most favorites even better than the favorites. Me too. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the end for today. Bye, everyone. Bye.